0: Hey y'all, I'm Tara Shaver with AARP's Office of Volunteer Engagement and today we're keeping it rural on the roost. I'm here with Nancy Anderson from our Montana State Office. Nancy, welcome to the roost. Thanks a bunch. Happy to be here. So glad that we were able to connect because you have had some really exciting things going on um, that as soon as I heard about them, I said, oh my God, I can't wait to talk to Nancy. Um, But before we get into all of the wonderful things that you're doing, tell us a little bit about you. Um, You're in Montana now, but tell us where you're from and, and tell us how long you've been with AARP.
1: Well, I'm actually born and raised here in Helena, Montana, which is where I'm located now. I helped to open the office back in 2001 when the state offices first came to Montana and worked here for about four years. And then I was transferred, took a transfer to the Nevada office. So relocated in Las Vegas, the big city and an entirely different climate and different demographic. It was quite an adventure. My husband was retired and he said, let's do it. So we were there for actually 13 years and um, just uh, were able to get back to our hometown here in Helena two and a half years ago. So July of 17 was when I was able to come back as the outreach director here in Montana in office that I started with in AARP and I've been here now uh, 19 years
0: so amazing that uh, wow what a big difference to go from Helena to uh, Las Vegas that is definitely a a culture shock and a climate shock Well, um, so tell us a little bit about the lay of the land in Montana for we were just talking before we jumped on and I said Montana is still on my list I haven't even I don't think I've even stepped foot over uh, over the line so tell us what the layout is of the state and and just give us a little bit of a picture of what um, what it's like to work in Montana.
1: Well, Montana is geographically very large. It's one of the four largest states in the United States geographically. And we have a pretty sparse population. Um, but we have 144,000 AARP members in the state. Um, there's great distances between places here. And I view Montana as largely rural, even the cities that might be considered somewhat Uh, urban, really are rural. Uh, Helena is where I live. It's where our state office is. We have about 32,000 people here. Uh, Our largest city in Montana is Billings. We're starting to do some work, uh, focused work there, and they're just a little under 100,000. So um, we have vast distances, lots of small towns, and even our urban centers are really pretty rural.
0: Wow, um, that puts things in perspective. Considering my the college where I went to school was 25,000 students. Wow. So um, that's that is uh, quite a change. And like you said, even when that's considered one of your most you know urban centers. Um, so in your membership, wow, 100,000. When you know some of our our folks think they have a small state, that's pretty small considering your landmass. So right, well,
1: 144,000 members. Yeah. But it's quite interesting because, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, to drive across the state can take about 12 to 13 hours. That was my
0: next question, yeah. yeah, The
1: thing that's so different here than it was in Nevada, you know, when I was in Nevada, we worked statewide, and it's a pretty big state lengthwise. Right. Um, But we were able to fly up north to Reno to the other population center. Uh, So it took an hour flight, and then we could rent a car and hit the rural north from there. But here in Montana, we cannot fly between cities. So uh, Billings, where we're trying to develop um, a focus a little bit, is 250 miles away. So, you know, it's a three-hour drive one way, and uh, can't be over and back in a day, really, and get anything done.
0: Now, is it true what they say about your speed limits? Once you get out of the city, do you just not have a speed limit, or uh, no. are there actually speed limits?
1: Yeah, it was that way for a while. It was reasonable and prudent, and that was up to the highway patrol person to decide. I guess if you were being okay, reasonable and prudent. But now we do have speed limits, and okay. they it, they vary a little bit depending on the highways. But many yeah. of our roads from town to town are two lane highways too. We yeah. don't have a lot of freeway connection.
0: It's so interesting, you you know, um, so I live in Tennessee now, I'm originally from Alabama, but um, to drive from one end of our state to the other, it's over eight hours, and we have this saying that up in the upper eastern part of the state, it, you can drive to Canada faster than you can drive to Memphis, and it's interesting, like you said, there actually, you would think, with that vast um, uh, amount of t- distance on the road that you would be able to fly, and they eliminated direct flights before I came to the state office, so um, for more than, for almost 15 years we haven 't had a way to go between cities either, so I know that uh, that life well once you 're on the road you 're just there for oh i don 't know four hours or so and uh, and hoping yeah. for nothing to get in the way <laughs> um, so okay, now we get to talk about your ambassadors, which um, thank you so much for contributing about a year ago. we did a little survey just for some of the states that folks had told us we should talk to about the the volunteer engagement efforts and I think this is when I first saw that. You were putting together some kits and uh, and maybe just making some of the preparations to um, blow out this program. But tell us a little bit about how the idea came to mind and um, just a little bit of the history of your ambassadors.
1: Well, we've we've had kind of the um, heart of the program in place for many years since I was here when we first opened the office back in the early 2000s. But we really had them more as community contacts. And um, at that point, the model was kind of also to have a community um, coalition or a community committee that would help to roll AARP out in some of the um, more rural areas. But that never really caught on. And it was really a heavy lift for whoever that community contact was. Um, And so they did away with the councils. And then they just kept those contacts. But... I thought it was really important for them to be more than contacts. They need to have some um, initiative given to them and some ability to be a little bit autonomous. So before I came, I can't take credit for it. Our state director, Tim Summers, put together a buffet of um, different engagement things that people could do, our community ambassadors could do in their own community. And he also offered, and we continue to do this, a $500 mini grant to help support an activity Ah. in one of the outlying outlying areas. So for instance, if they wanted to uh, have a fraud presentation and they needed to rent a room and buy some snacks, you know, they could just say, here's what we're going to do and we'd like to tap our community um, grant for that. So we currently have 13 community ambassadors. I've got a couple more that are on the line. They're trying to decide so. We could be up to 15 before too long. Um, but they are really given um, the ability to move forward in the way that makes sense in their own community. For instance, we have uh, two ambassadors in Roundup, which is a tiny little town in some East Central Montana. And they used their $500 grant to rent a room in the RSVP building so that they could have a resource center on that, in that part of the state. Then when they do outreach, they've got a place to draw from. They've got a tablecloth and a banner and a display set up in the building there in Roundup where we've never really had much of a presence before.
0: That is awesome. And so I'm curious about your, um, so you said you have two people who are trying to make some decisions. How, um, as you started to make that transition from some of these community contacts into a more active role um, and and some of this may have happened before you came back, how, um, how did that go? But in particular now with these new folks that you have who are are in that uh, they're, they're dating us status, how did you identify them? And you know, what has that process been like in those first few steps?
1: Well, I've tried to reach out to groups that already are connected in their communities. So I've done a lot of uh, networking and presentations to the RSVP directors throughout the state, to the Area Agency on Aging directors, and trying to find people in their agencies that might want to become community ambassadors because we all work in the same way. And really the hook that I use is our DIY kits, that that could give them such great material, easy access to material that uh, applies to their demographic and to their audience as well as to ours. So in that we had the first meeting of the community ambassadors by themselves. In the past they'd always just been grouped in when we had our volunteer summit once a year with them with all of the volunteers from Helena and the advocacy volunteers and we just talked about issue related things. But last year in 18 we kept them over a day after the regular summit and I gave them what I call our brain kits. So that's a sample of each of our core pubs that they can take and shop to their local community centers and their libraries to keep on hand to make available, as well as the, the speaker piece of all of the DIY kits, so they could see the presentation plus what the script is and have a better feel for what the subject is and you know, what the presenter's um, role would be. We've really kicked off this last year, Um, many of the ambassadors were involved with a fraud squad. And we worked with our our attorney general's office very closely and developed a co-branded fraud presentation. It's much like the one that's in the DIY kit, but it's a little bit more specific to Montana And it was done in conjunction with the AG's office. And so then we did a training here in the office uh, with the AG and our volunteers. We piloted in four cities and it's taken off like wildfire. So I've added three more cities via our community ambassadors. And that's really a great way to start spreading the gospel of AARP, I guess, in these communities because we're sharing helpful information. It's by word of mouth, they set it up, although we do tickle it and tee it up with a bulletin article a couple times a year. And so that's been really helpful.
0: Gosh, fraud, you know, don't we, for those of us who've been around for a minute, don't we say, oh gosh, why we're, what? why didn't we start some of this fraud work sooner and uh, let that, because man, it sure has made it easy. Like you said, it is an attractive, um, really attractive program. It's attractive no matter in which way we do it, Teletown Halls and on the AARP live show, we're amazed at the response that we get. And uh, I'm sure you guys have this experience too. Uh, In my community, I'm on Facebook pages, you know, and whatnot. And just recently someone uh, was asking about, you know, It was basically an Apple scam, but, um, they said, you know, does anybody know if this is legit and being able to respond with some of our resources just had people so, um, pleased, but also, um, in up, I bumped into someone out in the community and they said, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that information. They said, you know, we just, we, we just don't often know like, okay, is this legit because we're connected in so many ways virtually and especially, um, um, you're connected and online with almost every aspect of your life that, um, that when folks sometimes just, you know, respond to some of those um, inquiries before they even think about it and maybe have put themselves at risk. So I think the more that we can do in that regard, the even more warm and fuzzy people feel about AARP because we've done something that's really helped them in their day-to-day. Yep. And what I found is in these Smaller communities, word travels.
1: So we don't really have to do a lot of marketing that we're there as a resource with a fraud presentation. You know, our volunteers start getting calls from other groups where someone has connected them, and so it's really growing organically, and I'm happy to put that piece into their brain kit. I'm also going to add the census outreach um, for 2020 so that, they, and so that they can get involved that way with spreading the word.
0: These are things that are just so relevant no matter where you are in the country. These are those um, things that it's easy for folks to say yes to, right? And it's, I mean, on the volunteer angle for sure, but also from the community angle. um, And I love that it's catching on by word of mouth. And that they're not having to do a lot of um, proactive recruitment, that folks are coming to them to ask for those programs. So you've told us a little bit about the kinds of things that they um, are doing and have done. And you alluded to the group that has their uh, resource center there. Um, Um, Tell me about some of the tools that you've provided to them. I think you had said you had some toolkits for them um, that maybe so as a new ambassador, one of those new folks that we know we're going to say yes to you. What's something that they're going to get, you know, when they go ahead and give you the official okay? How are you going to help them um, kind of get to know what resources you're sending their way?
1: Well, I will begin by giving them the typical orientation that we do with all of our volunteers. Um, And we've got a volunteer that manages that for us here. So we'll probably connect them in by Zoom or uh, if they do, if we are able to get them here together, then we'll do it that way. But then I've got the brain kit that has all of our core pubs and it's got those DIY kits. We also, once they're committed to actually reaching out in their community, I give them a tablecloth and a banner, Uh, I let them know about they can get the plastic displays, you know, so that when they're out tabling, they've got everything that they need. Uh, We found that we had good intentions with that in the past, but we never really gave it to them to keep in their homes so that when an opportunity came up, you know, they were already prepped and ready to go. So that's been helpful.
0: That's awesome. And I'm sure I was grinning as you were saying that because I remember sometimes when we would um, get a new banner or we'd get some kind of new tablecloth and we'd go to our drawer and we'd pull out about 15 of them and and they were all in the office and we're like, we could never use 15 of these at one time. Why, do, right. why are we not sending them out to our folks who are working in communities? So um, that's a great learning. And I'm sure there are some people also uh, doing the face palm, saying, oh my God, we have a drawer like that in our office yeah. <laughs> that we could decentralize some of those supplies and make sure that folks aren't having to do the shuffling even between themselves and I imagine that's even more important um, in an area like that where a couple of your volunteers may be relatively close in the grand scheme of things but also probably not too convenient to meet up and be able to make a make a switch on the road somewhere.
1: Yep, exactly. I'm also, we've got a creative idea going with this one of the new gals that is contemplating coming on with us. She works, she is the RSVP director in a city about two hours from Helena. And uh, there's a lot of activity going on in that town. We are starting to uh, exhibit at home shows as part of our livable communities outreach and have found that to be really great new fertile ground for us because we're meeting a different audience than we typically do. And um, I would have to take a team from Helena to staff a home show because they go several days and they're long hours. And I spoke with her because of her connection with RSVP, we're gonna try to get an RSVP team that we can give some training to and that can be one of their engagements. So I'm trying to leverage these groups, maybe that already have volunteers, in places where we won't have constant AARP things for them to do, but that they're prepped and ready when something does come up.
0: I love that idea. And and you think about, um, you know, with some of these other volunteer programs or folks that are doing some pretty routine things in a community that are valuable, some of these offers to them, like add a little spice to their everyday, right? Like it's right. so common for us to, to do bigger events like that. But for many of these programs, they would never even, it wouldn't even be relevant maybe to some of the work that they're doing, but they certainly, um, in, in most cases, wouldn't even you know, set aside budget dollars to try to be there. So what a great way to also just um, enrich a partnership by providing something that's also a little bit fun and out of the ordinary for them.
1: Yes, I'm also really excited for the Rural Movies for grown-ups pilot that's been floating. And um, we attempted to capitalize on that first showing and it was something that didn't work out for us. But since then, I've found a great location where we've got a community ambassador. Uh, It's a place where there's summer stock theater that goes all summer long, but that theater is dormant the rest of the season. So it's a great theater that would be just wonderful and that the community members really look to for engaging content. So I'm excited after the first of the year for the first showing. We're going to do it in Big Fork, Montana, which is a tiny little community up uh, in the Flathead Valley in the north west part of Montana.
0: Wow, that is really cool, and what a great, um, oh my gosh, I can just see the twinkles in the eyes to learn that that theater is going to be used in a different way. Um, Right. There was one of those theaters that sat in my town dormant for a long time, and they finally uh, revitalized it for some, uh, you know, some local recognition and museum and at least people are able to get inside it which for years that's all anybody wanted was to get inside the theater so um how cool that you can also continue programming that would otherwise just not not be there that is great i look forward to hearing about that too
1: you know another thing that's kind of interesting and unique about montana's community ambassadors is that Many of them are retired educators, so they're part of our Montana Retired Educators Association, and, you know, they're great presenters. They're some of our fraud um, standard folks out there. They're also quite connected in their communities, and they really have tapped the community grants to do things in their communities in a variety of ways, so excited about that.
0: While you uh, mention that, I just want to probe a little further on the community grants just to make sure everybody who's listening or watching us um, is really picking up what we're putting down. And this is dollar, uh, these are dollars you guys have set aside from state budget for folks to basically ask for the money. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? That's correct. And
1: there is no fancy application process. They simply need to send us an email, tell us what they'd like to do, anything from uh, one of the. Uh, ambassadors in Great Falls gathered hygiene items that they then distributed to the schools because they found some of the lower-income kids were having trouble with some of that. So hygiene baskets along with school supplies after the first of the year, once that fresh back-to-school time wears off. Um, So a variety of things. uh, Somebody just asked for one, their local food bank, uh, when they deliver home meals, one of the things that's often asked for is cheese and that's not something that is regularly delivered, and so they're going to use their $500 grant to contribute to the food bank bricks of cheese so that they can, those seniors out there getting those meals can get something that they're really interested in.
0: Wow, they are really in touch with the needs of their community. I'm like, this is amazing and, right. and, um, and very specific, and I First of all, I love it, but it sounds like it also makes it really easy to say yes to those uh, requests. So are they, and are they available just throughout the year on a rolling basis or do you guys, okay. Whenever
1: the community feels a need or the ambassador sees an opportunity, we've also helped to um, underwrite hand drumming, African hand drumming from the Drum Brothers, where they'll come in and do a drum circle. And it's such good brain health because it's rhythmic uh, engagement. And it's also good for arthritic hands, but it's super fun. So that's been something we've done. Our extension service offers um, wills and estate planning and some information on that. And so we've helped underwrite a community ambassador to bring the extension service agent uh, to their small community to give those workshops to the community members so it's really across the spectrum uh different sorts of activities
0: gosh we have such a great um we have such a great position with aarp to be able to i used to call it like being the fairy godmother like you would often have someone say gosh we really wish we had this thing we're like we can do that we can make that happen it's an easy yes for us and um that's such a great um a great way to just continue that feel good, um, not just for the community and for the, the folks that you're doing this stuff for, but for the volunteers to be able to meet that need and, um, and just see that opportunity and seize it. That's exactly what, uh, what we are about promoting. So way to go. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, so, okay, question. How many, um, what kinds of learnings have you had? Have you had any fabulous flops in trying to, uh, to do some of this? Or was there any, um, is there anything that really was wildly successful that you weren't Plant you just didn 't expect it to go over so well, and you 're like, Oh okay, wow, cool that 's awesome.
1: Well, there were a couple things I would say a fabulous flop has been our first attempt at the movies for grown ups the rural piece. And the learning there was we went to a community that we didn't really have a great ambassador in place. I was hoping to maybe use that to build an ambassador or a team in that area. So I'm going to wait. From now on, I'm going to go where I've got a person, and then we'll build from there. Um, Another one was that we tried to really partner with... Uh, community ambassador in the far northeastern, right almost on the North Korea border in, Helena, in Montana. And um, that, the distance was so far that she couldn't, she's never been able to attend any of our trainings or meetings, she's also still employed. So we got to find a different fit for those uh, really remote areas. But one thing we found is uh, we used, we did an event in Billings just this past year. As I've said, it's 250 miles from Helena. We don't really, our state president lives there, but other than that, we don't have a volunteer team there. I've done a couple of movies for grownups and we've built three volunteers with two movies from that, Um, but just getting started. But we offered a party at their baseball team with a picnic and we expected there, I thought I was gonna get, I had a minimum of 50 people that I guaranteed. And I thought I was going to have to pay probably for 20 people that didn't even come. Yeah, So we ended up with 375 people. I had to change the venue. We had to redo the whole agreement and people were clamoring for that. So we found something, we stumbled on something that really resonated in that community. So we're going to build on that definitely next
0: year gosh, it is. I'm having chills because like you really, wow, that's, that's an amazing response. And and I have been in the, on the opposite side of that, where we thought a baseball game was going to be amazing. And we're like, why is no one coming? To this I, baseball game?
1: That's, I thought <laughs> I'd start small, you know, and have it in this small little area. Yeah. And, I mean, it just took off. And we were at the home show in that same community two months afterwards. And I can't tell you, I bet we had, you know, 20 people that stopped by the table that were disappointed, they, because we still couldn't accommodate everybody. I still had a a waiting list of like 120 people, but we're at the max for that area. So I'm working with the ball team to figure out something where we won't max out, where we can be as inclusive and include everyone as much as we want to.
0: That is incredible. And, you know, even um, I find that when we do something like that, that is really well received by the community, that not only do they remember it for a long time, but um, even if they don't go and even those people on the waiting list, they're looking for the next thing, right? Like right. they're, they're going to be paying attention. And the first thing you put out about the next time when yep. you're at the ballpark, they're going to be on it and they won't dilly dally. They'll make sure their name's at the top of the list. right very cool well so tell me what um, are there any challenges or things that you are recognizing still exist other than what we've talked about I know you mentioned some of those more remote remote areas still being really difficult to kind of find how you can really make sure people are connected and and um, and get the support that they need and get what they need from you uh, and you get what you need from them but is there anything else that you guys are kind of like uh, whirling around that you're trying to, to troubleshoot or um, or that you just really haven't um, even quite figured out if you're ready to tackle it yet
1: well yeah kind of even with our great fraud outreach okay so they do a fraud presentation and what we've typically done is provided each attendee with a bag with all of our resources with a couple of resources from the Attorney General's office and a copy of the presentation so they don't have to write down all the important numbers and websites getting those stuffed bags from here to there has been a little bit of a challenge And it's a big enough job that, you know, to stuff the bags that uh, one person, like we've done a ton of outreach events in Great Falls, which is 200 miles from Helena. And if I was trying to ship those for every one of her upcoming um, presentations, that would really be a drag. And so luckily she comes, she's a retired educator and they have their board meetings here in Helena. So I do a SWAT team approach. We get our volunteers here in Helena and we stuff 200 or 500 bags and then we've got them and then we're passing them off whenever anyone is in town or headed that direction. But that's been, I'm still not sure if something comes up and she's out of bags how we're going to get same thing with butte and billings kalispell so all of that transference of materials you don't want to load them down in their garages with hundreds of pieces of literature right how how do you make it easy for them how can we support them from here Um, that's still a little bit of a challenge
0: yeah, that is, um, and you know, the stuffing, this is so funny because some people do the stuffing really well, but we still found because of our facilities in the office, it was still like the best place to do it if you needed to do high volume like that, because I, we can spread out and you've got, yeah. you know, um, you don't have to be precise with the counting uh, of the stuff to get it out there for assembly. You could just run to the back room and grab another box yeah. of it. Um, yeah. Well, if anybody has a great idea for Nancy about that, uh, reach out to, to me or to her and, uh, and tell us what you've come up with. Well, you know, we have we have one other
1: challenge. Let me just throw yeah, that out. Oh, yeah, please. I would please. love for some suggestions about that. And it's the technology for presentations. Um, I've tried to make sure that they don't need speakers because that's not always available, that they don't need the internet connection wherever they go, that it, I've got thumb drives. But for the volunteers that have laptops that can take them, that's great. They don't always have projectors. I'm not sure that we're gonna be able to supply projectors in every one of the locations on the off chance that they may do presentations. So we still haven't worked through that kind of technical piece. Uh, So I'd really appreciate any assistance or suggestions that came along with that.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. And right now, it, I'm at a loss for who told me that they had um, purchased some inexpensive projectors. And these are kind of, uh, people have mixed feelings about them. So if you've had a great experience with those uh, portable projectors that are less expensive, we're not talking the the ones that we usually have in the office, but um, those that are more pocket size, um, let us know what you found. Send us the Amazon link or something so we can uh, know that we're looking at the same thing. But what uh, this person was telling me was that they had they had found one that worked pretty well, as long as the groups weren't too large. So, you know, it was, I want to say it was less than a hundred bucks for the projector and that it was easy to hook up, but they said the problem was um, that the screen size, uh, once it's projected onto the wall or, you know, whatever, um, it, it only worked for a smaller groups of people, maybe let's say 20 or less, because if it was larger than that, then it just, it wasn't large enough and you didn't have the capabilities that you sometimes have with the more sophisticated devices right. to you know, project it somewhere differently on the wall. So I would love to hear about that as well because that's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times you really do want the technology to be able to share things. Just the talking head isn't enough or handouts or, you know, some of the other ways that we do it. Um, So yeah, let's hope we get some great ideas from folks after they uh, listen to this episode and, uh, and, and answer this problem for us. Well, Nancy, tell me, is there anything else that's on your mind? Just about the what you've you've learned, especially how cool to be able to leave the state and come back with a different perspective from working in another state for so long. Right. Um, yeah. Anything that you just want to share with folks who maybe uh, you know have been been at AARP for a little while and are thinking how do they keep their their work fresh with volunteers?
1: Well, the one thing that I would that really struck me this year is that you know we we had the quick meeting with our ambassadors in 18 after our summit and i tried to organize a springtime meeting last spring in 19 and people's schedules we just couldn't find a time so i brought them out the day before our summit this year and there was a much better turnout they were really excited we had content built just for them and at that point they all committed to finding a time in the spring they thought it was very worthwhile to meeting to meet just the ambassadors on their own and so we'll be doing that in the spring for sure and then so we'll meet twice a year with them independently and that's not something that had really happened before but they found great value in that so I was really happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, I love that approach too. And let's be real, even though sometimes when you're putting together a summit and it can feel like a lot to add something onto it, you've already blocked off the time. Like you're already right. gonna be running around like a chicken with your head cut off getting ready. So just getting ready a little bit sooner and being able to focus with with folks in that way is um is a great idea. And I love that their experience was so great that they've already said, Oh, just tell us when we need to well, <laughs> when do we need to save space for yeah. spring because this is worthwhile. Yeah. And
1: it was good to kind of be forced into finding an agenda and thinking myself, thinking about what do they need to hear? What do they need to talk about? You know, how can we enrich their experience? So I was really totally focused on the remote volunteers, which we don't we're not able to do very often because we've got so much on our plate. So it was really good for me, too.
0: Yeah, that's great. Nancy, thank you so much. It's been so fun getting to know you. And I'm definitely going to give you a holler when I come to Montana, even if it's just for fun. You'll have to give me, tell me all the things to go and see and do.
1: I'll definitely do it. I look forward to it.
0: Okay. Thank you all for listening or for tuning in on YouTube. We appreciate you and we'll see you next time.